Have you ever had God lay something on your heart? Or God tell you to do something? And you're like, Lord, what in the world are you doing? What in the world are you doing here? Why are you leading me to this? Why are you calling me to this place? What exactly are you up to, Lord? I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been there a lot in my life. Not quite sure what it is that God's trying to do or trying to accomplish in a certain circumstance. You've already heard the story of the temptation of Jesus in two forms. Once in a children's sermon, once from being read. And it's interesting. One of the things about the Bible that's really important when you, when you study the Bible is to understand the context. It's to understand what it is that's happening there in a, in a passage. And so we read, we, we read about, and you might have caught that first part about how the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. But if you were to back up a little bit, you see that right before the Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness, something fascinating happened. Jesus was baptized by John. You know, Jesus lived an interesting life, to say the least. But one of the things that we see a lot in Jesus' life is that, I mean, we get he's awesome. Like, we understand the awesomeness of Jesus. When you actually read in the Bible what happened in Jesus' life, very rarely in his life does Jesus get the praise he's due. I mean, very rarely do folks go, wow, it's Jesus. You know, most of the times the Pharisees are fussing at him or he's in trouble and somebody's mad at him. Only a few times in his life do does, does, does people really see the fullness of who God is. We see it on the triumphal entry when he comes to the town on the back of the donkey and people lay out, their, lay out their coats, wave the branches, and say, Hosanna to the king. The, another time we see it is the transfiguration. We read that text a few weeks back where he's transfigured, and we see Jesus in all this glory. But one of the other times we see Jesus, really see him in his glory, see him in his power, see him as he is, is at his baptism. The baptism says he comes out of the water. Says the spirit descends on him like a dove, and the heavens open, and the, the father says, "This is my son, the beloved, who I'm pleased with." So in that moment, we see the complete glory of God, and that's awesome. So Jesus has his baptism. Is baptized by John the Jordan River. Then it says in the text, and then the spirit leads him to the wilderness, to be tempted by Satan. Y'all, life's not always rainbows and unicorns. Just because life is hard, just because you face temptations and face trials and face troubles doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. In fact, according to God's word, sometimes it means quite the opposite. You've done something right. You're being faithful. You're doing the right thing. And that's often when temptation and trials come is when you're most faithful. My mama used to always say the devil doesn't mess with those he's already got. So if the devil's messing with you, congratulations, you're doing something right. The text says of the Spirit led Jesus to the desert. You know, I grew up in the huge urban area of the world called Bogachita, where there's lots of dirt, I guess, is all we have. Dirt, trees, you know, that's about it. So growing up where I grew up, when I, you know, I had, I had, uh, I I, I grew up thinking dread the wilderness. And so South Mississippi, Bogachita, when I hear wilderness, I think trees. 
That's what always in my mind picture was trees. But that's actually, when you go to Israel, you understand that Jesus wasn't driven into a forest. The desert. The bleakest, darkest desert you'll ever imagine. This, I took this picture when Sam and I went to Israel, the Holy Land, a few months back. This is, uh, this is uh, near Qumran where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. Not too far from where he may have been tempted. We don't know for sure where it was, but it may have been like that. And, and that was one of these days when the dust was up. It was a nice day, but the dust was up, and you couldn't, you couldn't hardly see. It was hard to see where you were. And there's Jesus. And you, ha- you know, the, te- the text said he was led by the, led by the Spirit to the wilderness. And you know, we had to be thinking, God, why? Lord, I just saw, Father, I saw your glory. I saw the Spirit. I felt your affirmation. Father, I felt these things. I saw these things. It was great. It was glorious. Why? Why did you lead me here? Why, why am I here? I mean, we've all been there. That's one of the things I love about Scripture. One of the things I love about, the, about Jesus is no matter, what, no matter what you face in your life, no matter what emotion that you face in your life, we serve a God that through Jesus Christ has felt that same emotion. You feel betrayed? Forgotten? Well, Jesus died with all of his friends running for the woods. You get angry? Remember, when people say, you know, what would Jesus do? Remember, making a whip and knocking over tables is an option. <laughs> Just saying. You get frustrated and angry, so does Jesus. Feel alone? You wonder, God, why am I in the desert? I was just in the midst of your power, in the midst of your glory. I was doing everything right. I was being faithful. I was being obedient. I was doing what you wanted me to do. Why did you drive me to the desert? Why am I here? In the desert, we see Jesus Fast for 40 days. I get hungry after 40 minutes. I can't imagine 40 days. We see the devil come at him. Why did, why did God drive him to the wilderness? Why was he led there to be tempted? I think a lot of reasons. Personally, I think part of it was for our benefit. Because here's the thing, y'all. Hear me on this, church. Temptation is not a sin. If temptation is a sin, then Jesus sinned. And we know the Bible says he was sinless. So the thought that enters your mind as a temptation, that thought in and of itself is not sinful. The Bible says when that temptation bears root and bears seed in your mind is when it transitions into sin. What does that mean, Andy? I'm, you know, uh, let's say I'm driving down the road on, on the highway, and, and, and I'm not a very patient driver. I know that would shock you all because you would think I'd be a very patient driver. And um, someone passes me off, and I think, God bless you. Okay, that initial thought of God blessing them, that's a temptation to get angry. That is human. We all struggle with that. Where it becomes sin is when I think, God bless you. I should run you off the road. And what would I do if I, I could go back and bump them and then maybe push them off? And like, see how it begins to develop, develop roots? The Bible says, do not give the devil a foothold. You're going to face temptation, y'all. There are individuals in your life that know how to push your buttons. Amen? Amen. (laughs) 
One of my favorite books is a book. I love a good book title. People can't drive you crazy if you don't give them the keys. By the way, one of the worst temptations we struggle with is unforgiveness. We let unforgiveness take a root in our mind and in our heart. This is what I say about unforgiveness. That person that you can't forgive, the person that you are unable to forgive right now, the thing that's over your head that you resent, that's building up that poison in your soul, that person, guess what? They slept fine last night. They don't know that you're mad at them. They could care less. Unforgiveness is you drinking a poison and expecting it to kill them. We don't forgive for their sake. We forgive for ours. Temptation becomes sin when it burrows down into your soul, when it occupies space in your mind, when it consumes you. You're going to face temptation. But what do we do when we face it? I think the text today gives us some really interesting things to how we battle temptation in our life. A couple things we notice in the text. First, notice this. Notice this. It says this first. It says the devil, the first thing the devil did is he attacked Jesus when he was weak. He had been, it's the text that he fasted for 40 days. And then it says he was famished. And then the devil came at him when he was famished. The devil, the devil knows your weaknesses. The devil, knows the, the, the devil knows the places in your life where you're weak. The devil knows the places where you're susceptible. The devil knows your buttons which to push. Here's the thing. The devil knows you as well as you know yourself. And he's, he's going he's to tempt you with things that he's not going to tempt me with. That's okay. We're, we're all different. We're all human. I face temptations you don't face. That doesn't mean I'm better. That doesn't mean I'm worse. It means I'm human. The devil knows your weaknesses. The devil knows the places where you're susceptible. The devil knows these things. So you need to be aware of these things in your own life. You know, if you have a coworker who you would love to pray for, Bob, you know, you let to pray for them by putting your hands around them and praying really hard for them around the neck. Be aware of that. Know yourself. And when that coworker comes in tomorrow morning and is ready to push your button, go out and get a cup of coffee and say, I'll be right back. And calm yourself. Do not give them control of your life, y'all. The devil wants to occupy space in your mind. He wants to occupy space in your soul. Don't give it to him. Be aware of yourself. Be aware of your weaknesses. What are your weaknesses? I don't know. Pray about it. Let the Spirit search you. You know. Most of us know what irritates us. Most of us know our temptations. Most of us know our weak spots. We, we tend to know these things. The devil surely knows them. And he's going to push it. He's going to poke and push and poke and push and poke and push and poke and push. That's one of the ways we guard ourselves with prayer. The Bible says, guard your hearts with prayer. One of the things that I've learned to do in my life is every few hours, I'll just stop whatever I'm doing. And I'll just and center myself on God. If we are not attentive to God, the one of the things the devil wants you to do, wants to do the most to you. Mom used to always say, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Sometimes we get so busy with the stuff of life that we don't tune our hearts to God. We don't fix our eyes on God. And if you aren't walking towards the North Star of Christ, you're going to go off course. You're going to go off course. Fix your eyes upon Christ. Let his word guard your heart. Stick close to him. 
Because you're going to face temptation, y'all. If Jesus faced temptation, you're going to face it as well. The devil, first, he knows your weaknesses. Secondly, he's going to make you doubt. Notice what he said to Jesus. He says, if you are the son of God, why don't you turn this, this, this bread into stone? If. The devil's going to make you doubt. He's going to make you doubt God's goodness. He's going to make you doubt God's mercy. He's going to make you doubt your own faithfulness. The devil's going to drag up every sin that God has already forgiven you of and say, oh, how can God love you? Look at this. Oh, how can God love you? Look what you did. Not only what you did five years ago, look what you did yesterday. How in the world do you think God's going to love you? How do you think God's going to love you? The devil's going to drag up every little thing that you've ever done. He's going to drag up every failure of your life. He's going to drag up every doubt you've ever had and lie to you and say, no, God doesn't love you. God can't forgive you. Look at this. One of the best things I ever heard about this, Tim Keller said this. Tim Keller is one of my favorite preachers in the world. Tim Keller talks about this. It's something very important to remember in the Bible. The devil's going to come at us with doubt and come at us with fear, come at us with these things, and the devil's going to always lie to us. Every, that's the third thing. So first, he's going to hit you in your weaknesses. Secondly, he's going to try to create doubt. And third, he's just going to lie. The Bible says in the text here, notice, what he's, notice what the, one of the temptations was, the devil said this. He took him to the pinnacle. He took, and he took him to the, to the, he showed him all the kingdoms and said, if you worship me, I will give this to you. Because I have been given this, this is under my authority and I can give it to whomever, whomever I please. That's a lie. The devil did not have the authority to give that to anyone he pleased. That was God's and God's alone to give. The devil was lying. Temptation, y'all, this is, this is one of these things that's really helped me in my life with temptation. Temptation is a lie. Temptation is a lie. Bishop Ward said this one time, it stuck with me. Temptation promises short-term pleasure and results in long-term death. Discipline promises short-term pain and results in long-term life. Temptation is always a lie. And notice how we're always tempted to do things that are destructive. No one's ever tempted to eat broccoli. Hey, there's nobody looking. Let's go get some broccoli. No. I'm tempted to eat that entire bag of chocolate wherever it went to. No one's ever tempted. Hey, 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 nobody's looking. You need to get up early and read your Bible tomorrow. You're never tempted to do that, are you? But you're tempted not to read. We're tempted to be unfaithful. We're never tempted to do things that are good. We're always tempted to do things that look good but are destructive. If you can ever drill in your mind the notion that temptation is always a lie, that temptation will in time destroy you, it helps you see the devil for who he really is. He is a liar. If the devil's mouth is moving, it is a lie. We need to be able to understand for temptation for what it really is. It is a lie from Satan. One of my favorite things ever, Keller said this, was the way the devil always attacks us is by lying. He said there are two, there are two parts of God's character. 
God has two, the Bible says there are two main parts of God's character. One is God is love. First John says God's love. The other is God is holy. God is holy. God is love. The way the devil trips many of us up is that the devil hides part of God's character from us. And we're, we're all susceptible to one or the other. One thing the devil does is he will hide God's um, love from us. To where all we see is God's holiness. And that's called accusation. If all we ever see in our life is God's holiness, we'll quit because we'll never measure up, will we? God is perfect and God is good and God is holy. And we're never going to be that, so why try? We're never going to be holy like God. We're going to keep messing up. We're going to keep falling. If all you ever see is God's holiness, you will feel unworthy. The devil will accuse you and accuse you and accuse you and tear you down. The devil will hide God's love from you and all you see is is holiness and you'll think you'll never measure up. You'll think you'll never be good enough. You'll never think you'll never get it right. You will will just give up and quit because you will never measure up to the standard of God. That's when the devil hides God's love from you. But sometimes he hides God's holiness from you. And all you see is his love. All you see is his love, and you think God's a big teddy bear in heaven. That God's up there just to grant your wishes and make you happy. It doesn't matter what you do. Well, that's not true either. What happens when God hides, when the devil hides God's holiness from us, and all we see is his love, then we think, oh, I can do what I want to. I can go smoke crack. It doesn't matter. God's going to love me. I can go do this. It doesn't matter. What happens is when we engage in sinful behavior, it's destructive to us. Max Lucado says the reason why God hates sin is because sin destroys God's children. That's why God hates sin is because it destroys us. So when when the devil hides God's holiness from us and all we see is his love, then we think, hey, what's the matter what I do? God loves me. Well, yeah, he does love you, but you shouldn't lick a nine-volt battery. It hurts. Don't do things that are dumb. It's painful. God's not going to stop loving you. When we do things that are wrong, God is not going to stop loving you. This is not about God stopping loving you. This is about your own lack. God does not want you to be destroyed by sin. So the devil will hide God's holiness, and that's temptation. He will hide God's love, and that's accusation. The devil is a liar. Every temptation is a lie. When you understand that, it helps you stand strong against those temptations that come. So never forget that. Never forget that temptation is always a lie. So we see the devil attacks Jesus where he was weak. He attacked him by when he was fasting and said, hey, make this bread. He tried to make him doubt and say, if you are the son of God, he lied to him. And last is he, you know, you know how the devil attacked him in the very end? You know what the devil quoted to him? The Bible. The devil said, he has given his angels charge over you, that if you jump off here, you will not dash your foot against the rock. So jump on off, big guy. Paraphrasing there. And Jesus said, no, that's not what it actually says. You know, people have used the Bible for great harm, haven't they? I want you to know God's word. But I don't want you to know it intellectually. I want you to know it here. The Bible says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. I've always thought about that as like when you marinate something, when you're cooking it. 
You put the sauce on it, let it, let it sit all night, let it marinate. Let God's word marinate your soul. Surround yourself with that which is good, that which is pure, that which is holy, that which is life-giving, that which is good. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you because the devil's going to come to you. And he may even twist scripture. That's why you got to know the Bible. Not just know it intellectually, but know it in your heart. Know who it points to. See, that's the entire thing about the Bible. The point of all the Bible is to tell us about God's love for us and God's salvation for us in Jesus Christ. The devil's going to come at you in ways that you may not expect, in ways that you may not anticipate. And when it happens, don't fear. Don't be afraid. But in many ways, thank God. Because that means you're being faithful. That means you're doing something right. That means you're on the verge of greatness for God. That means you're standing there at the cliff, fixing to attempt something amazing for God, something life-giving, something life-changing, something amazing. So do not fear the temptation. Do not think the temptation makes you a failure. Do not think make the temptation make let you think the fa- don't don't think the temptation makes you weak. The temptation means you're human. It means that God wants to do something great. And so maybe the reason why Jesus was tempted was to show us that temptation comes to all of us. To show us that we can stand strong against it. You don't have to give into temptation. You don't. Now, you're, you are at times. We all are. We're human. We're going to fail. When you fail, shake the dust off, get up and keep going. C.S. Lewis said, the sin is not in falling down. The sin is in not getting back up. You know, the devil, the worst lie the devil can tell you, God can't forgive you of that. See, sometimes when we look at things, actually look at what is there, it takes the poison out. God will never forgive you of that. Really? Really? So that's the one thing the blood of Christ did not cover. No, the blood of Christ covered everything. The blood of Christ washed away the sins of the world. There's not a single sin that God can't forgive. Well, I keep doing the same sin over and over again. Yeah, and it hurts, doesn't it? It's going to hurt. But God loves you. God loves you. You know, I thought I understood God's love until I had children. Then when I had kids, I understood God's love. Because there's not a single thing my kids could ever do to make me stop loving them. And you that are parents or grandparents, you understand. <laughs> There's not a single thing your child could ever do to make you stop loving them. You may want to pinch their little heads off sometimes, but you love them. God knows who we are. He knows your weakness because he made you. In fact, here's the thing about your weakness. Here's the thing about your frailty. It's there to show us that we need God. The Bible says, in our weakness, his grace is made perfect. Your frailty might be the greatest tie binding you to God. In fact, I don't know about you, most of my temptations come when I think I'm strong enough to stand on my own two feet. Most of my temptations come when I'm not walking with God. Most of my temptations come when I do my own thing and wander away from his grace. And then I get myself in trouble. Temptation's going to come, y'all. The devil led Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted. 
you're going to be tempted, and it's okay. It's not good, but it's okay. That temptation you face in all of its forms, remember, it is a lie. Temptation is destructive. Temptation results in death. Temptation is the work of the devil. Don't give in to it. See it for what it is. It's not good. It's not hopeful. And it's not life-giving. Understand temptation is a lie. But also understand this. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. And do not give up. Because grace abounds always and always. Let's pray.